0: Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is the big show on 975-1280 the zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: Just like the man with the big voice said, it is the big show. And Patrick Kinahan, good enough to sit in with us today because Jake Scott is still on vacation. I think Jake gets back tomorrow. So, PK, thanks for doing that. We appreciate it. Uh, You put in a good day's work uh, with DJ this morning. Thanks for hanging out with us this afternoon. It's good to be here. Do I owe you? How can I repay you? More than you already did. <laughs> uh, PK, uh, did you, you said in
0: cars for a few months.
1: I, <laughs> I asked you uh, if uh, Brian Song was one of the best uh, sports movies ever. What What do you rank as your top sports movie?
0: Oh, Feel the Dreams, absolutely, Dad. You want to have a catch? I ball to
1: this day. Yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, let's get out to the, uh, the phone and uh, talk with uh, Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars. Greg, uh, g-
2: good to have you join us. Thanks. Thank you for inviting me, Gordon. And PK, hello. Congrats on making it uh, through the day and getting to this point. Uh, still awake.
1: It's, uh, Greg, uh, you know from your radio experience and doing all kinds of shows through the years that. Uh, Putting in a good uh, four hours in the morning and then four hours in the afternoon, that's, that's a
2: decent day's work. That is the way to go. That's a, that's a well-earned day's pay right there. I'm sure PK would agree. Yeah, he would.
1: Greg, uh, so let me start by asking you about what you know about this BYU football team uh, based on the win over Navy. It's an incomplete picture at this point, obviously. But uh, what are you fairly confident about this
2: team, I'm fairly confident that they're that they're a good, too deep on the O line. I, I thought that when the, the the second string offensive line came in at Navy, it felt like the same uh, vibe uh, was maintained, and it felt like the same holes were being opened. And I, I, I think that you know size isn't everything, but but all those guys, all ten guys on that O line, uh, are 300 pounds plus, and they put that weight to good use against Navy and, and, and look good doing it. And Algier and Katoa were exactly what the coaches hoped they would be uh, as a result of the competition that was brought in in the offseason. Now, that competition didn't really play out because of multiple reasons. Uh, Devonte Henry Cole leaves. Uh, Bruce Garrett leaves. Uh, Hinckley Ropati gets injured. Sione Finau is still not back. But, but those guys who were the holdovers – um, you know, picked their game up and, and, and ran strong and ran well. And if those two guys can just stay healthy, and that's the big thing right now because the injury bug has ravaged the running back room, but if Katoa and Algier can stay healthy until Sione Finau gets back, and Finau was, was BYU's leading rusher last year, let's not forget, um, those three guys are enough to carry BYU to some good things on the ground if they can just enjoy good health the rest of the way. So I think what we do know is the run game is solid, starting with the uh, the front five, and really you could call it a front ten, the way the, the reserves played in Annapolis. Uh, Zach Wilson, another solid pass efficiency day, uh, a couple nice deep balls, looked in command, looked stronger. Um, I, I, I think everything from the backfield looks good right now. And then the question marks had to be, you know, who will get targets in place of Matt Bushman? Certainly without Matt, they only threw one pass to a tight end at Navy, so the tight end went from the feature part of the offense to a very complimentary part of the offense, but where they went running backs and wide receivers got the job done. And Gunnar Romney was perhaps the, uh, the brightest light of all the numbers were there, certainly, but he showed that he might have the ability to be the kind of guy, a la Austin Collie, Mitch Matthews, Cody Hoffman, someone who can dominate targets from the wide out position. Matt Bushman's been the guy target wise for three years now, but he's a tight end. Um, when when your go-to guy can be a wideout, well, it's a better thing. I mean, your your length of target, your air yards will be longer, and um, and you'll likely produce more. So it's good to have a productive wideout. And Gunnar Romney in that first game showed he could be that guy this year. You covered
1: a lot of ground there, Greg, but uh, it's exactly right. I've always been of the opinion that you look at the great BYU teams through the years. What did they have in common? The quarterbacks get a lot of attention, but those wide receivers in the good
2: years, they're pretty good. And, and I, I think you need special seasons to have a special season. Uh, you, you, need, you need big numbers, not just good, consistent depth numbers, but you need, you need guys, uh, uh, you know, a 1,000-yard running back, a 1,000-yard wide receiver, uh, a 3,000-plus yard. You need big numbers to have big years. And, and BYU, I, I think, especially with this season being the way it is, the schedule being the way it is, Um, you know, there's the potential to have certain guys shine. And I I think it's integral and essential for BYU to really stand out.
0: Greg, naps are my friend, my man. That's how I get through these days. (laughs) Sleep. Take naps.
2: I love naps. Big nap fan myself, PK.
0: Yeah, got to take them every afternoon now. Uh, I have my warm milk and
2: then I take a nap. I can see you. (laughs) Cuddle up with the afghan. I hear you. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, As I look at BYU's schedule, and I probably have some recency bias because I was joking with David Nixon this morning that I actually watched the entire Troy game against Middle Tennessee State. I never would have thought I would have watched 60 minutes of Troy, but now I'm going to watch 60 minutes of Troy in two consecutive weeks. But I think I can make an argument, and maybe I'm overstating it, that this is one of the better teams BYU is going to play this year.
2: Well, you were originally going to look at, uh, you know, you, you thought Navy had something going. They didn't look great uh, in the first game, and they didn't look great in the first half against Tulane through six quarters of play. You're wondering what Navy was going to be this year. They look a little better having come back to win that, uh, that, that Tulane game. Army, it was only a couple games uh, or a game, but they were ranked, and it looked like they had something going. Uh, that game goes away. You, you look at Houston, October 16th, and, and that's the one that kind of lurks because it's a true road game. And, you know, Houston's legit with a good program, but they're, you know, a good coach, beg your pardon, but uh, um, they're wondering when they're going to get to play a game right now. Mentally, they've got to be frazzled. They've had every game canceled or postponed due to COVID right now. They've still not played a game. They'll have only one game before BYU if we get to that. So Houston looks like it's a challenge. But back to your original question, yeah, why not, Troy? Uh, Troy didn't have a great year last year. But but it was a first year under a new head coach, Chip Lindsey. They still won five games, but the, the seasons preceding that, they were knocking off and racking up those double-digit win years every year. In fact, if you go back since 2016, PK, um, they have, I think, only 15 FBS teams have more wins than Troy uh, since 2016. Um, only one team has more takeaways than Troy since 2016. Um, they've got a stable and nice running backs, uh, decent enough offense that puts up a lot of points in a quick tempo under Ryan Pugh. Pugh, of course, the former BYU O-line coach, now the second year OC at Troy, and they were a top 20 offense in the first year under Ryan, despite the fact they were only 5-7. and seven. So, a lot of reasons to think that Troy can be a stiff challenge, and let alone the fact that since they've gone to FBS in 2001, um, they have five big-time wins over P5 programs. Now, BYU is not a P5, but BYU is the biggest name Troy is going to see this year. And speaking of Jeff Grimes, he was a coach at LSU in 2017 when Troy beat LSU. And that was the LSU team that shut BYU out at New Orleans at the Superdome, let's all recall. So um, there's some up-close experience with the program pulling off big wins. New coach, but Chip Lindsay is an offensive mind. He's been a Pac-12 OC. He's been an OC at Auburn. And they showed in their first year they're out to score some points and do it in really quick fashion, as you know, PK, because you watched the Troy game this past Saturday. And speaking of nap material, once that game got to be a blowout, it was, it was good, good football to sleep to. But that Saturday <laughs> game, that showed Troy getting to the line in a hurry. As I was watching that game, I was thinking Riley Nelson's going to have to really get his, uh, get his words in um, quickly this Saturday if Troy chooses to play that way because they were flying. Man, that's,
1: that's a great uh, term there, good football to sleep by. You know, there are certain games that really are – when you just have them on in the background, easy to sleep to. That was so. one of those games
2: right there, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, uh, when uh, David Nixon was on with DJMP this morning, he was singing the praises of this particular linebacking unit. Do you agree with him?
2: Yeah, you asked me earlier, Gordon, what I, what I think we know about the team, and I spent my entire time with offense and didn't get to the D, and – and the defense we saw at Navy is not going to be exactly aligned the way it will be against Troy or other teams because you play, you play Navy a certain way, and, and, and you're, it's not a day for cover corners, for example. So um, you're going to have a different look from what you saw at Navy. But linebackers were the star of the night. Uh, I know that Coach Tuiaki said the entire defense was the star. But um, Isaiah Kafusi showed just one game in uh, that he's going to be the stud. He's going to be the guy uh, this year. And, and one of the more telling points of the game, when it was still a game, Let's remember, it was 14-0 BYU leading a Navy when uh, Zach threw a pick, and it was a fluke pick. It wasn't really Zach's fault. Pau got knocked off balance. The ball sailed behind Neal, and, and Navy got the ball. So, the, when we still knew it was a football game, 14-zip for BYU, Navy had the ball in scoring territory. Well, a couple of snaps later, you know, there's Isaiah Kafusi with what amounts to a strip sack, causing a huge TFL, and Navy was knocked out of scoring territory, gave the ball up, and, and, and never threatened, and and in talking with Isaiah just last night on on Kalani's show, it, it kind of reinforced or reflected what this defense wants to be this year, and that is as aggressive as the offense. And, and so this is a defense, the last couple of seasons, the havoc rate. Uh, I love havoc rate. It's a stat that incorporates, you know, how many TFLs and, and fumbles and PBUs you're going to get um, as a percentage of plays you snap against defensively. The havoc rate's been low. BYU's been making – fewer plays defensively in terms of disruptive plays and we already saw at navy um that this could be a disruptive byu team and and the craziest thing about it all uh gordon and pk is you know option teams don't give up you know five sacks in a game for example and there was byu racking up a big number of sacks and a large number of tfls against option football that says something about how aggressive this defense might be against more typical teams
0: do you think this is going to be the first time in all your years of calling a game in which each offense has a player with the first name Gunner?
2: The answer is no, because in 2016, BYU played at Cincinnati with quarterback Gunner Keel for the Bearcats. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's a good point. It's a good point. That was Gunner then. Wait, 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 16, it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't. Was no, Gunner, Gunner Romney wasn't a thing yet. So. It's not the first gunner they've faced, but yes, I think I have to go back and say you are indeed correct. Gunner versus gunner, although on different sides of the field, uh, probably uh, the first time. But not our first gunner uh, in terms of the opposing uniform, but correct you are.
0: So this won't be your first rodeo or your first gunner is what
2: you're saying? But but in terms of uh, gunner on gunner, uh, although they won't see the field together, you wouldn't think uh, it, it, it's a it's a once in a career opportunity certainly for me. <laughs> I,
0: I was fairly impressed with Gunner Robbins, Ro- Watson as a quarterback.
2: Yeah, I mean for his first start, um, he, he did have, he was he, he did account for the you know for the two turnovers on the day at a pick and a fumble loss, but uh, yeah, solid. Um, again, a guy that. Uh, Third year in the program, I think he had a redshirt year in there as well, but uh, making his first start and, and not much to complain about. Be, uh, and, 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 you know, decent enough size, and, uh, yeah, I, I think they should feel pretty happy with him.
1: How do you feel, Greg, about that defensive uh, backfield? Uh, is that, uh, will that be a strength of this team,
2: or do, do you have any idea about what the talent level is there? Well, again, it's not, not the best representation when you play option football in Game 1, but I think what's yeah. going to happen in Game 2 is uh, we're going to see one of the out-of-sight, out-of-mind players uh, for BYU, and that's been Chris Wilcox. He's been around a while and has played a lot of games, but injuries have been the story of his career the last couple of seasons. I, would, I wouldn't I would be surprised. I, I'd be crossing fingers that we get to see Chris Wilcox uh, back at corner um, this weekend. Um, someone that um, I think will become a more familiar name uh, to BYU fans, is a kid named Micah Harper, another good corner, but only a freshman. Uh, but I think has impressed the coaches to this point in the season. And then, when, when you throw uh, a combination of Troy Warner and Zane Anderson uh, at safety, with Chaz Ayu's ability to to filter in and occupy any number of roles as as a floater back there, a guy that could play, um, you know, a hybrid linebacker safety position. I think there are enough playmakers who will develop. Uh, they're, they're not the deepest corner right now. But the return of Wilcox is big. Um, you know, D'Angelo Mandel is still a part of the deal. Keenan Ellis is still a part of the deal. And, again, Micah Harper, for a young guy, has opened a lot of eyes. So uh, let's call the secondary um, still unknown because what we saw in Annapolis will be different from what we see on Saturday against Troy. But uh, uh, at least enough names back that have made some plays with uh, Wilcox and Anderson and Warner uh, primary among them.
0: So I wanted to discuss the quarterback position, Greg. I mean, these guys, three guys play last year. They all had their moments. Nobody leaves. They got this Conover kid who's from Chandler. I used to cover Chandler High when I was down there, same school as Romney. I know it's, a, it's such a big-time program that Herm Edwards hired their high school coach to be his running backs coach, which means recruit kids out of Chandler. And now we know they're offering the kid from uh, Corner Canyon, what's his name, Dart, I'm wondering, man, how are they able to keep all these quarterbacks happy?
2: Well, I'm sure that your uh, your Chandler sources and contacts will tell you just uh, how real of a deal uh, Conover appears to be. Yeah. But um, you know, his his clock hasn't really, you could argue, even begun to tick because this year is a free year, right? So yeah. uh, they have time for him, and, and hopefully, he will be of the mindset that I've got time to sit and wait and watch and learn and get better. And, and you know, Zach Wilson, you would expect, um, if he has a good season, would be um, uh, looking at one more year at, at BYU. Um, the real question becomes, you know, between, you know, Jaron Hall and and, and Baylor Romney, um, you know, what does the competition look like with Conover when, when he really gets going? And I think you really just have to let the best guys win. And, and it wouldn't be, I mean, every program deals with, Um, a surplus of quarterback talent that eventually leads, you know, somebody to explore different options for no other reason than uh, the competition, you know, produces a pecking order. And that's, that's fine. That that's to be expected and not that anybody is forecasting anyone leaving right now. And you talk about keeping everyone happy. Well, sure. Ideally you keep four great quarterbacks in the program and no one gets antsy, but we all know that's not the most realistic expectation. Good quarterbacks want to play. And, and some good quarterbacks can't be mollified with the hope of injury to the main guy. Uh, and, and that's just the way it is, and the way it is at really good programs. It just so happens that at BYU, the number two and the number three ca- have expected to play and have gotten to play a lot of snaps over the last number of years, really since Max Hall, right? I mean, but the, 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 the John Beck-Max Hall years were the years of quarterback continuity and consistency. Since then, it's been a carousel. And a lot of it's injury-related, but not solely so. And, you know, Taysom Hill only got one true full season in during all of his time at BYU. And so the other guys have had to play, including freshmen. And that's why you have Zach Wilson in a unique position to be the first quarterback ever at BYU already to have led the Cougars in passing yards as both a freshman and a sophomore. If he does it as a junior, he'd be on the verge of being the first quarterback ever to be a four-year leader in passing yards, that just doesn't happen at BYU or most any other program. But that's where BYU's been because of the carousel nature uh, under center. Um, a long answer to a, a short question, but sometimes you can't keep everybody happy. But BYU wouldn't be the first program to deal with that. Ideally, though, the reason you have some movement, if there is to be that, is because uh, you have somebody pretty special uh, coming up, um, uh, you know, through the ranks and maybe even pressing the older guys to perform. Greg,
1: you've probably been asked many times what was the most exciting game you've ever called, but I want to ask a little different question. What game has been the most fun to call?
2: (laughs) Well, it's okay if it's, um, you know, the same answer, because that BYU-Utah game in 2006, uh, it's known for the final play, but so much went on of a back-and-forth nature in that game with with BYU leading by double digits to Utah leading by double digits to BYU going in front to Utah getting back in front uh with with you know under a minute and a half to play to then BYU going on that drive tough to get a lot more fun than that game it had a lot going on guys it had a lot of points it had the dramatic finish it was fall football it's a season finale That's about as fun as it gets. And I'm sure I could pick up, you know, higher-scoring games, you know, BYU and Toledo with the points just flying around. But, man, alive, um, back to Harleen, 2006, Rice-Eccles. That's tough to top in a lot of ways.
1: Greg, we appreciate you joining us today. We'll see what happens with this team this year because this really could be one of Kalani's best teams, maybe his best team, and – Somewhere along the way, uh, maybe that'll be evidenced. Uh, I, I, it's a little more difficult with this schedule than it would have been, obviously, with the original.
2: But uh, well, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. On, on that point, you know, Gordon, they, they they would have been even better. You know, with, with Matt Bushman not getting hurt and and with a couple more running backs not not to, you know getting hurt or leaving, they could have even been deeper there. Um, so it's a good offense that, that would have even been tougher to defend had those things not transpired. But that said, there's enough talent there. As to what you said about schedule, it's true. Um, you know, but I think you know observers will understand BYU had a packed schedule ready to go until it blew up. Yeah. And they had to cobble together what they could in a short amount of time and get the teams that would agree to play BYU, and that's what they've done. So that being the case, since there are no P5s and there may not be ranked teams uh, on the schedule – what you have to do is take advantage of your opportunities to not just play well, but look really good and just kind of just win everything. And, and to the point where BYU in mid to late October into November can again be a conversation piece. And it's been a while since BYU has been a conversation piece, a true national conversation piece in October, certainly into November. But even with the, the challenges of the schedule and having it not look like others If you win a lot of games or all of your games and you win them big and you're doing it on on ESPN on late Saturday nights when you're the Western team of note right now, you know, you can generate some buzz. And it's just imperative that you just, you know, don't rack up any L's right now because nobody will look too kindly on them. But it's an exciting, if you could use that word, it's an exciting possibility in this most unusual of seasons to actually make a little bit of noise. I'll sneak one more in. We talked with uh,
1: Bowler Jack about – how he feeds off the crowd when he's calling a game. Do you feed off the crowd, or are you able to generate the same kind of excitement without anyone in the stadium other than
2: what's going on on the field? You know, I I felt that once the Navy game got going, uh, the plays were the plays, and and great plays still generated uh, excitement for me, and I, I still felt the same lift. The, the big difference is the layout potential, and Bowler, you know, probably would have told you this too. You can you can have a great moment and let the crowd you know, take the broadcast away for a few seconds, let the crowd really swell and, and, and reinforce what you just were able to call, you know, that opportunity is not there. Um, but I think there's genuine excitement, you know, when, when, when a short run becomes a long run or when a long ball in the air becomes a caught touchdown. Uh, or the play is still the play. And I, I hope that my energy um, felt familiar to people at Navy. It's truly bizarre uh, to show up at a stadium you know, three or four hours before kick like we do and encounter nobody in the concourse and nobody in the elevator and almost nobody in the press box. It it was strange at Navy. Um, Yet you know that, that, you know, the red light's going to go on. You're going to have a game to call, but none of the buildup felt at all familiar. And we'll be in a similar situation Saturday at LaBelle Edwards Stadium. It's kind of sad, too, because we expected to have fans, right? And this late development changes the complexion of the game uh, quite a bit. The hope is that before this season is out, Lavelle Edwards Stadium will have seen some fans for some games. But we know we'll have at least two um, in empty stands. But I pledge, Gordon, to Cougar Nation that I will bring it. I'll have the energy ready to roll on Saturday night. Well, hey,
0: Greg, before we go, man, I heard about your father. I just want to pass along my condolences.
2: Uh, I appreciate that, uh, PK. Uh, it was a month ago today, actually, and um, nothing but the happiest of memories and um, uh, the greatest of um, uh, thankfulness for you know his influence on me personally and ultimately professionally, because a lot of things that he did uh, you know helped me understand what I wanted to do for a living. And um, so thank you for saying that. I do appreciate it. Yeah, you've lost your father, PK's lost his, and I've lost
1: mine. Take it from us. Cherish those times with your dad because uh, they don't always hang around forever this way. So,
2: Amen. Anyway. Thank you, guys.
1: Yeah, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's uh, thanks for that, PK. Now I'm all weepy over here. <laughs> <laughs> that's all
0: right, though. That's not necessarily a bad thing.
1: Yeah, that's true. Cherish the memories, man. Cherish them. All right. uh, Coming up next, uh, there is something that happened uh, before an NFL game this last week that I've never heard of happening before. I want to delve into that a little bit. We'll talk about it uh, coming up next with uh, PK sitting in for Jake.
2: Remember uh utah state football uh who knows when we might hear something about that i'd say keep an eye on oh we the next know scotty days.
1: come on <laughs> <laughs> we've seen it all on twitter we're playing let's go let's roll baby data send it deep is that a little uh breaking news there that we heard what was that Uh, That was Craig Smith, who was the guest on the Utah State Coaches Show last night with Scotty G right here on 1280, the home of the uh, Utah State Aggies. Maybe he was having a little fun. Maybe he knows something. Maybe a little both. Who knows? Uh, Well, uh, yeah, it sounds to me like the Mountain West and the Pac-12 are going to be firing up some football here coming up pretty quick. What do you think, PK?
0: Oh, I guarantee it. I I I said on our show a couple weeks ago, DJ asked me a question about football. I said, for Pac-12 football, I said I'd be shocked if they weren't playing in November. And I didn't specify a date because I wasn't told a date, but I was told they'd be back in November. I did not know specifically, so I don't necessarily, I'm still not reporting a date. But i it's only been further confirmed to me that I'd be shocked if they're not going to play. And they're going to try to play, and there may be some interruptions because of the virus and all that, but I believe that they're going to play.
1: It's uh, it's an unprecedented time for we we've we've talked about uh, this uh, the, the coronavirus and its effect on sports for many many months now, but I have a story here in front of me, and we've all heard it today. But it's maybe unlike anything I've ever seen when it comes to medicine and football Chargers quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. He missed the uh, Chargers game against the chiefs. Turned out to be a fantastic game. And now PK, you know, this, that Justin Herbert, he's he's a pretty good player. He's going to have a long storied career in the NFL. Wouldn't you guess?
0: If I had to guess, yes, storied uh, remains to be seen, but I think he's going to be in the NFL for a while. I don't see any reason why he doesn't have a storied career, but it's just so hard to predict with quarterbacks. But, you know, he has been, he's huge. He can make the play as a, well, I think as a freshman, he came in and and beat Utah, uh, a pass in the corner of the end zone, which they barely got in, knocked him out of contention, caught by Darren Carrington, who later came and played for Utah. So, yeah, he has been on the uh, radar for several years, and I think it's only a matter of time before he takes over as the starting quarterback for the Chargers. Wish him well. We've had him on our show uh, a couple of years when we're down for Pac 12 media because they've sent him good
1: kid. That's one of those things that happens every once in a while. And well it happens more often than that, but in a dramatic situation like that, with that pass, that completed pass that ended up beating the Utes on their home field. See that that's just so it's so weird to be on the field when something like that happens in somebody else's building. And yet when you when you pull off a play like that and the place goes absolutely silent, that's the way it was on that particular occasion. That you Yeah,
0: mentioned. and I happened to be standing right there, and I saw it. I mean, I couldn't have been more than five yards away, and uh, that's in. He got that left foot in, if I remember, uh, barely. Yeah, barely. In and, and he got beat by uh, an NFL who turns out to be an NFL quarterback. That's the great thing about the Pac-12 is that, and Oregon wasn't good that year, but they can have decent players that may not necessarily be on good teams, but they're really good
1: players. Yeah, well, Rice-Eccles was pretty quiet on that occasion, that's for sure. And they've had some great moments going the other way, but that one was a kind of a punch to the gut. And speaking of uh, punches to the gut or any other body part, this is uh, unlike anything I've ever seen. Tyrod Taylor, the starter for the Chargers, who could not go, and uh, we saw Justin Herbert play and saw what he was capable of doing as a young player. But Taylor, the reason he couldn't play was because he had some pain in the ribs area and the team physician for the uh, Chargers gave him a shot, a shot of painkiller that ended up causing quite a bit of complication. Why? Because it punctured Taylor's lung. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that happening before again.
0: Well, not to that level, but you've heard of medical mistakes, man. When you're going for uh, any form of whatever, this wasn't surgery, but you get the point, you just never know,
1: man. This is an aspect of uh, of sports that I'm not sure that, the, that we think about as much as we should, and that is – when we see what happened in the NFL this last weekend and so many injuries, injury after injury to key players and whatnot, it's a tough, tough game. <laughs> and these guys, they, they put up with a lot of physical pain, a lot of physical difficulty. And sometimes in the NBA, as we talked about earlier with the load management, Ka- Kawhi Leonard and others, uh, football, you don't hear about load management much. I mean, guys are dinged up sometimes, but oftentimes they go out and play. But the physicality of these sports is just, it's unbelievable when you think about these human beings out on the field or out on the court. Well, especially now, so more than ever,
0: man, because you have got the running back is bigger, the defensive back, the linemen, and they're having these full head-on collisions. And one guy's going top speed and the other guy's going top speed. It's a violent sport. I mean, that's, in a sense, to me, it's not laughable, but you have to wonder, oh, we're concerned about the health and welfare of the student-athlete with this coronavirus. The second you walk out onto a football field, you're putting your health in danger.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was watching last night on, what's the football highlight show on Showtime? Uh, inside the NFL? Uh, inside the NFL with uh, Phil Sims. Yeah, and uh, who else is on that show? Um, oh, I'm spacing on his name. The former great receiver for the uh, Cowboys, number eighty-eight, Michael Irvin. Yeah, Michael Irvin's on that show. I don't watch. So, I, I
0: can't afford HBO, so I don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sure, make me laugh. Anyway, uh, they were talking about all the injuries this past weekend. PK, do you blame that on the short training camp know. and all that stuff, know. or do you think that's a bunch of malarkey?
0: I don't know. If you want to make an argument for it, I'll listen. But I don't know that I can say it because I think injuries are just a big part of the game now more than ever. So I, I, can't, I can't really say it. Now, there was a plethora. If we see them in week two, well, actually, that was week two. So why didn't we see them in week one as much as we saw in week two? So I would have to say I would side without any zero medical evidence or training. I would, side, uh, on the, I would go on the side of unfortunate
1: coincidence. Yeah, I think so, too, especially when you consider those ACLs. Uh, That's that's just kind of – that can happen. I don't care how well-conditioned you are, that could happen.
0: Yeah, well, we've seen that. Non-contact, it can happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then those high ankle sprains and stuff. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, I don't think it was so much a a matter of anything having to do with a lack of a preseason or anything like that. I think it was just – Unfortunate was a good word that you used. All right, coming up next, it's uh, the highlight of everybody's day on the big show. Everyone's but Austin's, apparently. I don't know. Uh, it's time for the Not Sports Report coming up next, so you won't want to miss it. Right, Austin? Yeah, uh, if you've got kids in the car, skip this next segment. <laughs> not true. Stay with us. Check this out. And now, and now your Not Sports Report on 97.5-1280, The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. It is the big show, and it is the highlight of the day. It's time for the Not Sports Report. And this one is not particularly morbid. It is a little scary. Well, it, it, actually, it, I guess it could be a little bit on the morbid side. But anyway, a lot, I have two items today. Uh, you want to tell everybody who's sponsoring this bit of genius? Until they hear this segment.
0: <laughs> oh, everybody knows it's uh, LHM Used Car supermarket. Is that not correct, Austin?
1: That's the one, yeah. yeah they deserve better every day, yet we give them this segment. <laughs> well,
0: they're getting better day because I'm here.
1: Ah, <laughs> Yeah, we'll get PK's reaction to what I'm going to report here, uh, and there's two items. The first one is the lesser of the two, but I wanted to run it by PK. Apparently, a survey of a 1,000 Americans shows uh, of, of smartphone users revealed that 40% of them would give away their pet for a month rather than surrender their phone. Now, PK, you're a dog lover. Would you uh, would you surrender your pet for a month uh, in favor of saving your phone?
0: Well, my dog died in uh, December 31st, so if I can get him back for an hour, I'd give up my phone for a year.
1: But you do have an, another dog now, right?
0: The family has one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's... <laughs> I think this one All right, what's even, the next story, Gordon? Jeez even, <laughs> even, even though <laughs> this <laughs> He bit me on the toe, co- man. You, you
0: I had to get a tetanus co- shot, I was on antibiotics, <laughs> my toe still hurts. <laughs>
1: you are off to a rough start.
0: Uh, yeah. It's a beautiful Four dog though, PK.
1: It's a beautiful Did you dog. See it? I've seen pictures of it. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. Yeah. I've seen pictures, and uh, I'll tell you, you come in here with these up tempo records, uh, Austin, (laughs) and you got to hear stories. Do not come out
0: of a record uh, that's up tempo, and I got to talk about a
1: dog dying. (laughs) Bad friend there, Gordon. That's a bad move. Oh, man. Uh, Would you rather keep your pad, Austin, or give up your phone? I'd give up this segment for anything. (laughs) That's that's not the question. That's the answer. Okay, all right, here's the, here's, the, here's the great story, and it's followed by a question for both of you. A man apparently suffered a severe shark bite while snorkeling in Florida with his family, and he jumped in the water to snorkel, and just as he jumped in the water, as soon as he hit the water, his wife, his pregnant wife, who was watching from the boat, saw a dorsal fin appear and then all of a sudden saw red in the water. The shark did bite her husband, took a chunk out of his shoulder, and what did she do? She, she said, at least it wasn't my cell phone. <laughs> Gave birth. <laughs> no. Checked her, she, his life insurance policy. <laughs> she jumped into the water. To save him and pull him back to the boat. So no life insurance. Nice. Gotcha. So this is, uh, here's the question. Sharks are (laughs) SOBs. Would your wives jump into the water to save you if you were under a shark attack? Should she? No. Would she? Probably.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mine would. So the thing about it, Gordon, is I know how to treat women the way they deserve to be treated, and in kind, they return the favor.
1: Okay. Uh, I
0: you treat tell a you lady me. the right way, they'll do whatever you want them to do, let me tell you. Oh, geez, and Phoenix. it'll be spoken, it'll be... Well, no, no, this is very clean, Gordon. This is about treating a woman the way they deserve to be treated. That's the emphasis. You're putting the emphasis in the wrong spot. No, you treat a lady like she deserves to be treated. And let me tell you, I just have a skill in that
1: area. Austin, I can't tell you how many times I've walked up to Jackie and said, I don't know how you do it, putting up with him. Well, you must treat her well because she stays with you, and that's a good thing. She probably doesn't ask I, I, him about the dog dying. So I that's think a the win. phrase
0: is relishing <laughs> being with me. How do you relish being with him? <laughs>
1: So you, after all these years, PK, how many years of marriage?
0: Fourteen. DJ's had it worse.
1: (laughs) How many years?
0: (laughs) Fourteen. We lived together for 16.
1: (laughs) Okay, right. Okay, 30 years. Who are you, Lloyd? 30 30 plus years of marriage. (laughs) and And you treat your wife, you think that in your evaluation, you have done a great job of treating your wife absolutely the way she should be treated.
0: Are you asking me or, yes. or, or what here? I mean, yeah. it speaks for itself, Gordon. You've seen me. You talk about Rico Suave.
1: That's who I am. Something All makes right. That's for sure. I, I just wondered whether uh, Whitney and Jackie would jump into the water after you, because I kind of have my doubts about my wife. I'm not sure. I don't know how eager she would be. And this woman was pregnant. Wow. What a hero. So did she bump the
0: shark with her stomach? How did? What did she do?
1: <laughs> I don't know. She just grabbed her husband and pulled him back to the boat because he was. And how
0: serious was he injured?
1: Uh, fair, they said severely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So had a significant no, loss of blood then, I guess?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no, no update, man, no, no update here on his condition. But uh, I'm, I'm You mean he may yet. have died? We just <laughs> wasted all this time, and he may be not with us. Yeah, I need to <laughs> I know need what better.
0: Give me the conclusion. You can't give me and take me half the way there, Gordon. You got to finish the story. That's <laughs> just bad grief. reporting.
1: Guy might be dead anyway.
0: <laughs> Glad, Glad We, we did figured. this segment. Uh, I, he's dead. So here you go, Jaws. Come on over. You can have the other shoulder. Grab a leg too. I mean, what the heck?
1: Let's see here. Uh, the guy's name was Eddie. He says he lives in Atlanta. He was taken from the water uh, to uh, from uh, to the Ryder Trauma Center via airlift. And, it's not uh, getting better. His exactly. <clears throat> his injuries were described quote as severe, although his condition has not been released. Man,
0: wow, that, that's. Awful and traumatic.
1: <laughs> David Locke next. <laughs> oh man. Well, I hope it had a happy ending. <laughs> I'm not. It, well, not maybe sure. it did for
0: the shark. I don't know. I could.
1: <laughs> Stay with us, David Locke next.